Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adil Omarcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adil Omarcy, bringing you the freaking legends from all around the world. And I'm happy to actually bring you the high priest of propaganda himself, uh, himself, Mr. Nathan Frazier. Nathan's going to be joining us today because he's uh, a badass. I fucking love him. Uh, I, was in, I was on his show and that was awkwardly awesome. I say awkward because he asked me some questions I didn't expect anyone to have asked me. And I was like, fuck it, let's go with it. Um, and he's just a really good friend, really good dude, man through Shane Hunter. He's just a really good guy. Real quick shout out to our sponsors, adelamarcy.com. Go check it out. Sign up, check out some more cool shit. I've got an email fundamentals class thingy that is on there as well. That'll be prevalent on the front page. That you guys can sign up to, uh, also very quickly to actually announce that we're also sponsored today by copy and funnels.com forward slash guide. That is Nathan's site. Basically showing you how to never waste another penny on bad advertising again. And I swear if you do, I'm going to roll up a newspaper and slap you in the face like a dog. Because you shouldn't <laughs> be doing shit like that. Alright, Nathan, thank you for being here. I appreciate you coming on to the I, show today. I appreciate you inviting me on, Adol. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. We're going to have so much fun today. Like, ge- just genuinely, like, the, the two-minute conversation before we even got on the show was an indicator of what this show is going to be like. <laughs> well, I uh, I invited you on my show, and like you said, uh, you were a very good sport. I asked you some very uncomfortable questions, so I figured I might as well return the favor. He says uncomfortable questions nicely. They were basically, hey, I have an idea. What would really piss people off? Let's ask him that. <laughs> and, of course, I'm an asshole and in England thinking, fuck it, who cares? Let's go. And I looked well, at his numbers, and I was like, shit. Oh, well. I, I think... I think that's where the best conversations come from, so. Oh, I agree entirely. Like, um, I think I posted on Facebook today something about there's a war coming on in a month. Bless them. One of my friends messaged me going, what do you mean? Is it to do with Syria? I was like, no, 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 no child. <laughs> it's more to do with me going after people, but it's okay. You're allowed to think that I'm, I'm basically doing something crazy like that, but no, we're good. It's all fine and well. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So the first thing I've got to ask more than anything is how the fuck did you come up with a cool last name like the High Priest of Propaganda? I mean, first of all, besides reading the book Propaganda and being a massive Edward Bernays fan, which you are, don't even fucking deny it. I know you have the books. <laughs> what? How did you actually come up with that nickname? It's fucking amazing. So it comes from the fact, first of all, yes, I'm a huge Edward Bernays fan. Um, but, uh, I came into marketing through the conspiracy theory world. I was a conspiracy theory theorist first, and, um, I studied social engineering. I studied, uh, media manipulation. I studied all of this stuff from a, that's so evil point of view. Uh-huh. And then I realized that, uh, I had, I, I had ran three businesses into the ground before I finally realized, hey, I have all this knowledge about how marketing works and how people work and how to trigger people to do things that you need them to do. And uh, I'm not using any of it. And so I said, well, I'm going to try using some of this stuff. And um, I tried it with my fourth business. That business became uh, profitable and successful. And, uh, And then people started coming to me being like, hey, take some of that information that you have and help us with our marketing. And um because of the previous background that I had, I had already built up a, a rather large audience talking about the conspiracy theory side of things. And uh, because I constantly started getting called a sellout and a propagandist and 
uh, being told that I went against everything that I was preaching, uh, which I didn't. I, I still only use my knowledge when I actually believe that it's a, a good product. It's something that will actually do good for the people buying it. Um, but because I started getting accused of, of being a, uh, uh, a practitioner of the darker arts of manipulation, I said, you know, rather than fight this, I'm just going to go with it. And people started calling me a propagandist. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take it a step further and I'm going to claim the title, the high priest of propaganda. See, I fucking love that. And also just as I know, we are actually going to be going into that fun little shit of, uh, the conspiracy world because yeah, not a lot of people know, but I was as well for a very long time. <laughs> like I, I think, I think anyone with a brain ends up with being a conspiracy theorist at some point. Yes, it, it, because you know, history is ripe with evidences of conspiracy. People, people conspire. I mean, as marketers, we know people conspire. There's no way that you can be a marketer without knowing. There's a lot of conspiring that goes on behind the scenes. So. To think that uh, conspiracies stopped happening after the era of Game of Thrones takes a huge amount of um, blind ignorance. But uh, I think that also a, a lot of the conspiracy theories that circulate nowadays also take a huge amount of blind ignorance to believe in. So I can see why people write them off. But uh, anybody with anybody with like an above room temperature IQ has to admit that people in, in places of, of power conspire with other people in places of power to, to keep themselves there and to attain more power. Yeah, I mean, seriously, read the 48 laws of power for the love of goodness. You'll actually get everything you need from there, and you'll be able to see how that shit works on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. I, I think that's, like, the one thing that uh, up until, what was it, March of 2018... I think I've sp I've spoke to Shane about this like no one and you know this because we had a slight conversation about it. I was genuinely terrified with um, opening up how much I actually knew about what I do. Like as a copywriter, I mean that's like the one thing that makes me laugh the most is <laughs> I can I've made a fuck ton of money for so many people. You've actually I don't know if you've actually seen me like break down copy for people and shit like that. But I did a whole Facebook live on it. And other copywriters that barely knew me were messaging me going, oh my god, you're so good at this. My response was, yeah, it's almost like I've been doing this every single day since I was 12. <laughs> Shut up and go sit in the back of the classroom where the guy, one of the people that ripped off my work taught you a shittier version of my framework. And now you're basically talking to the master. Sit your ass down and draw with your crayons. Then come talk to me. Graduate from kindergarten first. But it just makes me laugh that like, for a very long time, I didn't actually use the ability of propaganda, and now I kind of am because you guys are making me. And by the way, I said to my audience, they are legit making me. Shane, Ben, Nathan, the whole lot, they basically just have this cabal of evil to push me to be more of how I am, really. <laughs> Essentially, it's what it is. They're just playing nice. They're on the show because they're like... Yeah, we can be on a show. It's fun, but do you is it is it a conspiracy that they're all on my show within weeks of each other? Or is that <laughs> or is that like premeditated? I don't know. Help me. I I think it is a conspiracy. <laughs> but I I, I want to touch on that though because here's here's the thing. Um, a lot of what we know, a lot of what we teach, we kind of teach it in maybe a a guarded fashion because. A lot of this stuff can be used for, for evil. For evil yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of this stuff has been used. I mean, if you look at like politics in general, it's it's ninety eight percent marketing, and uh, maybe two percent good intentions. But mm, it's hard to tell with some of these people. But um, people can take this information. People can take this knowledge, and they can absolutely destroy the world with it. Uh, they can they can subjugate entire populations of people. I mean. History is ripe with people who are just a little bit smarter than the crowd and being able to lead those crowds to mass atrocities. So there is a there is a uh, a, a, a sense or or maybe a, a a lens that people view this knowledge through that automatically thinks or automatically makes them assume that anybody who talks about this stuff is nefarious, that we have ill intent, that uh you know, if you talk about this stuff, you're obviously Joseph Goebbels and um, if, for fair reason. I mean, people have have used this type of knowledge in the past to do some horrible things. So if you're going to – Ben always says if you're going to be cast as the villain, you might as well play the role as, as good as you can. That doesn't mean I'm all for loading people up onto trains and shipping them off to camps. But uh, – if people are gonna, if people are gonna say, "Hey, you're a propagandist," I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna run with it. it I, you might as well have fun with it. <clears throat> you might as well. And uh, two things: one, what we do can be used for evil. I mean, that's the kind of the whole reason that we all pull punches. I think um, I can't remember who it was. Fuck, I can't remember who it was at all. Like totally drawing blank. But someone once said that the only difference between a good copywriter and a good dictator is the extent of which they will let their persuasive powers go. Mm. In my opinion, yeah. that's that's actually quite powerful. Um, I might have actually made that up and actually totally forgot that I did that. Who knows? <laughs> Hashtag goals, that's what we do. But like what I'm saying is that essentially look at Trump. I mean, or as... By the way, I don't hate Trump. Um, doesn't mean I'm a huge fan of his. I mean, come on, I'm brown and basically a target for his audience. Um but I also do love the fact that a Mexican came up with this nickname for him, which genuinely is my favorite nickname ever, the Cheeto Voldemort. I'm like, <laughs> that right there hits me in my home because I'm a Harry Potter fan to the core. So I'm like, calling him a Cheeto Voldemort, you have made my day, sir. You have made my day. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how he got into power was basically like, look at what he did. He... um he essentially rallied the masses. And I remember having this conversation with um, my American friends in London because they're all like, uh, they're very liberal, bless them. But me, we've had this discussion. I'm a centrist. I sit right in the middle. Some shit I'm liberal about, some shit I'm conservative, mostly financially conservative and socially liberal. But, you know, you got to walk the line between the two. Um, we're basically the gray Jedi. We are Mace Windu, essentially is what we are. Um... <laughs> it's fucking had to get as nerdy as possible though. But what I was getting at was basically we had this whole conversation. And they asked me, Hey, who do you think is going to win this election? I was like, Trump. Like, no, he's a joke. I'm like, yeah, but he's speaking in really simple terms. Like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? I'm like, he's talking to the crowd like they're fourth graders. Everyone else is coming to them at a 10th grade level. They even showed this on freaking CNN and Fox that he talks at a fourth grade level. Um, <laughs> I was like, he's going to win. They're like, no, no, America's not that stupid. Well, it's not about being stupid. He's using basic persuasion tactics that they can... You essentially... 
he creates sound bites that are memorable for them to pass on. To give an example of how you do this in business, when you're writing sales letters, you want to load it with as many arguments for the person that's buying it to be able to make logically to their partners to justify the expense and also to themselves. So case in point, I bought Welcome Mat Pro, which was $6 on for my WordPress site. The justification I had, there was no sales letter. It was basically, I want this thing at six bucks, yay. But if it was $6,000, then the justification for that would be, okay, why do I need to invest in this thing? What are all the reasons? And then like if my credit card company or my mom or my sister or my brother-in-law, whoever it is, why did you invest six grand in this? My answer is not going to be because I felt like it, it was six grand. It's going to be because of logical reasons that actually pertain to me actually seeing an increase in business and revenue and everything else. And right now we're working through to hit all those goals. So I would really appreciate either you sh supporting me or shutting the fuck up. <laughs> you know, having that kind of argument logically works. You want to turn your work into sound bites. And the second point that I was going to make, because it's fucked up, what's wrong with actually loading people up on trains and sending them to camps if to all the people who are going to get mad at me for this quote, oh, for this quote, let me finish. If you sent them to copy camps where they had to sit there and learn how to write advertising the entire time, become better people. Thank you. There, that's how you save that. <laughs> I'm going to get someone out there. Okay. Oh my God. I can't believe copy, like copywriter and podcaster. Adam Marcy said this. If anyone does that, you've made my day. Thank you. Cause now I can end up on Joe Rogan, which, you know, dreams are cheap. <laughs> well, Here's the thing. Let's let's talk about this. Being that we capitalize off of, uh, let, let's just be honest. Go, take it back to Trump. I I'm gonna say the same thing applied to Obama. The same thing applied oh, to to George Bush. The majority of their audience is they're emotionally based. They make their decisions based off of emotions. They look for a few logical reasons to back up those emotions so that they can, so they can justify their emotional uh, decisions, you know, like you said, either to themselves or to their significant other or to their friends. They don't want to be perceived as emotionally based, but that's how they are. Um, and as copywriters, we have to know these things. We have to learn, you know, what, what are the hurdles going to be? What are the real motivating factors? Are people going to buy this because they're selfish? Are people going to buy this because they're afraid? Are people going to buy this because um, they want to be, be perceived as the superhero? What's the real reason people are buying this? Not, not the logical reason. Then we have to give them a couple logical pieces to back that up. Um, like you mentioned, uh, talking to them like they're, they're a fourth at a fourth grade level one of the hugest things that I run into whenever I'm working with a new client is I'll look at their old copy and it's uh, like across the board. I can't remember a single client unless it was somebody who was actually decent at copywriting to begin with. I can't remember a single client I've ever had where I went in and I looked at their copy and it wasn't written at least at like a ninth or a tenth grade level. And one of the first things I do is I'm like, oh, we really need to dumb this down. Oh, no, our audience is intelligent. No. They they might have a master's degree, but they don't want to read. They don't want to be challenged when they're reading. They want your copy to to be silk as smooth or smooth as silk. You don't want it to be challenging to read. Um, do we want an intelligent society? Do we want? It? Personally, I do. Like my personal conflict is half of the time I'm trying to educate people and make them more intelligent. 
The other half of the time, I'm taking advantage of the fact that they're idiots and they're willing to buy whatever I'm willing to feed them. So do we want a more intelligent society? But like, as you said, loading them up onto buses or, or trains and sending them to copy camp, do most people even want to have this knowledge? Do most people even want to do that self introspection? Do most people want to take that? I mean, we have to look in the mirror when we're looking at an advertisement, we're knowing what's going on behind the scenes and we have to be able to admit to ourselves. Yeah, we're not as rational as we believe we are. We're very easy to emotionally manipulate. Do most people want to even admit that to themselves? Do most people want to know what goes on in the real world or do most people want the, um, the, the, you know, simple one, two, three step solution explanation of how everything works just like when it goes back to conspiracy theories do most people even want to know what's going on behind the scenes of of how laws actually get made and how social change actually happens do people want to know who george soros is do people want to know who the rockefellers are do people want to know who the rothschilds are uh i'm gonna say that most people don't want to know those things like really know who they are not just like oh yeah they just still did did this thing like dig a little deeper um or even look at baron rothschild i mean fuck i accidentally i I managed to get to his house when i was 16. like i'm gonna say you live like you live in the in the capital of all of these goings on right now dude i know blackfriars like still fucking freaks me out walking down that bridge (laughs) <laughs> uh, that that was like what 15 years ago that whole situation or even like 20 years ago where that dude basically like just showed up being hanged mm-hmm. like he was hung he was hung off the fucking bridge because he was going to expose that's that's a whole nother conversation for another day <laughs> he was uh that was the vatican's main banker at the time wasn't he i think so yeah um, yeah so i mean but do most people want to know that that's no. what's going i mean do, do they want to know the truth about their religious organizations do they want to know the truth about the about the monetary system um or are they are they happy just being you know ignorantly bliss blissfully ignorant i i don't know man it's it's uh that's that's the hard thing of being a conspiracy theorist and a marketer is like having like you said ha- having all of this knowledge and still having to um yeah say say you know how much of this am i actually going to use in my uh in my persuasion yeah Something I do want to like highlight with everyone listening to this, the reason I actually say, speak at a fourth grade level, I mean, you guys are smart enough to actually know this because I've spoken to this enough times, but in case you're a new listener or like listening to this in, I don't know, five years' time, the reason you want to talk to people as if they're at a fourth grade level is, as Nathan said, people don't want to be challenged. They don't want to have a challenging moment reading something, but it's also because the fourth grade level is where our brains naturally kind of go back to for easy reading. Think about it. Why do you think trashy novels are, wrote, are written at a fourth grade level? Why do you think movies are universally written at a fourth grade level? The ones that are complex and have complex plots, they don't do too well. I mean, let me ask you something. Comic books, that's fourth grade level to the T. And how successful is Marvel right now? <laughs> yeah, that should give you everything that you need to know. Um, and one other thing, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a bonus tip. One sentence paragraphs, best thing you could ever learn. Seriously. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing that I get pushed back from clients from. They're like, man, there's a lot of one sentence paragraphs in here. Yeah, I'm trying to make it easy for your people to read so they so it makes it easy for them to make a buying decision. And you want to know a really fun argument that you can give back to that when they say, why is there so many? 
Yes. My favorite argument back to that is, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I basically go into their copy. I copy out three of their paragraphs at random places. Or I find another one with client pieces and just, like, copy out three paragraphs from random places and send it to them and go, I want you to read this. Go. I'm going to time you. And I time them. I go, okay, explain it back to me. Tell me exactly what you read. Tell me what was there, what was the point, everything. And most of the times, they'll give me, like, some convoluted bullshit thing. It'll take, like, five minutes to do. I'm like, great. So we're going to talk for a minute. Go take a chill break. Go grab a glass of water, come back. Okay, great. I'm going to send you another piece of information right now. Uh, and what I would do is I'd send, like, the copy I wrote for another client where it was short sentences. And I'd say, I want you to read this. Yes, it's short sentences, but I want you to read it. They read it. Takes less time to read. Give me the comprehension. What is it? What was it about? And by the end of it, they're like, holy fuck, I get, I, I comprehend it way better. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, because your comprehension rate, because it's a psychological thing. Shorter sentences over longer time, our brains usually scan. They don't read most of the time, they scan. But shorter sentences keep our brain from, um, I don't know if you've actually heard this from like speed reading, but the problem with speed reading is a lot of people, they don't just read in a continual pattern. They read continue like they read one word, the second word, but by the time they read the second word, they reread the first word to the second word. And then by the time we get third word, they've read one, two, three. And then fourth, it's like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, all the time. It's not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way. Like just constantly just keeps building up and you keep going back and forth. Short sentences stops that in the brain. So it gives them more comprehension, doesn't tie their brains out. One of the things that I like to do is when I'm going through and I'm editing my copy, I always try to make sure that by the end of each sentence, you should still remember what I was saying at the beginning of the sentence. And by the end of each paragraph, you should still remember what I was getting to at the beginning of the paragraph. So if I ever run into a sentence where by the end of the sentence, I can't remember what I was trying to say at the beginning or it doesn't it doesn't um, make it perfectly clear and it's not perfectly in line with what I was trying to say at the beginning of the sentence, I cut it up into two sentences. Same thing with paragraphs. If by the end of the paragraph, I can't remember the first couple of words of the paragraph, I'm going to go through and I'm going to chop that paragraph in half and turn it into two paragraphs or three paragraphs because it's like you said, if, if uh, as they're getting towards the end, they're still competing with what they were remembering from the beginning. And if you don't make that easy for them, they're going to get to the end of it. They're going to be confused. They're going to have to go back and reread it. That's going to take them out of your copy, and you never want that to happen. As, as they're reading, you want it to be a continuous flow that starts and doesn't end until the very end. And every time they have to stop and, and pull themselves out of their copy or out of your copy, what that means is you've lost them. That now now uh, their critical thinking is on. Now they're um, dissecting. Yeah, they're they're analy they're analyzing it. They're looking at it at, through a skeptical lens, and uh, as a, as a salesperson in print, you want to keep that to a very bare minimum. And so these little things, I mean, that's just a tiny editing tiny trick. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just one tiny thing that you can do that can drastically improve the Response performance rate. of your sales letter. But uh, it's one of those things that I get a lot of pushback from people, and I, the the biggest thing is. Our audience is too intelligent for that. And I'm just like, no, no, that's not the case. 
your audience you assume your audience is too intelligent that's that's the thing assumption is the killer of everything um something that you said there that's actually really powerful is so there's three parts of the brain reptilian midlimbic and neocortex right mm -hmm. in most cases the midlimbic and neocortex don't communicate because the midlimbic all the motion doesn't understand language and the neocortex all about language worrying and all the other fun shit like analytical thinking when you get when you make mistakes where people like talking too high class whatever it is you've basically woken up the neocortex that is going to start killing the sale for you mm. why would you do that to yourself don't be stupid make life easier so something i did want to speak to you about personally because i've uh, watching you do this in the last like 12 to 16 weeks is incredible um only because i've known you for that long um it's the way that you post so <laughs> it's like three questions in one really i've asked landon i've asked everyone this because i love seeing what people's processes are so number one how did you find your own core values that's one two how do you exactly how, how did you start building up that entire repertoire of getting more engagement not just in facebook with your emails as well and three what was the process that you actually go through to reverse engineer like social engineer things like how do you do that like from what you've studied from the conspiracy world and how do you apply it to the marketing world okay so this is this is some this is some deeper level stuff right here. Hells yes, we're um, going deeper level, bitches. <laughs> okay, so, uh, gosh, how, how do I even? I do a lot of stuff that most people say don't do. Um, if you follow my Facebook, you'll see that I post a lot of opinions. I start a lot of conversations that most people will say you cannot do that in business, and. Um, I disagree with them. I, I do fairly well in business, and uh, I think that I, a large part of it is owed to the fact that I do some of these things. Um, but here, here's the deal. Uh, I have my own core values. My core values are I'm, I'm very much pro-individual liberty. Um, I'm very anti-group think. I don't like looking at people as, oh, he's a black person, or he's a gay person, or he's a white person. I hate viewing the world through that because I've known too. I grew up in a very multicultural area. Um, I knew a lot of white people that were decent people. I knew a lot of white people that were trash. I knew a lot of black people that were decent people. I knew a lot of black people that were just trash. Yeah, everyone, so, everyone's decent. Everyone's trash. And also, just FYI, he's Mexican. I'm not. I'm well, not Mexican. I grew okay. up in a Mexican. My dad's um, Mexican. I was raised in a Mexican household. Dude, I thought you're half that I was Mexican. Mexican. Yeah, that's, that's half Mexican. My dad's Mexican, but I'm not. Shut up. You're half Mexican. Okay. Well, when people look at me, they see a white boy, but... Uh, of course they do. When they look at Louis C.K., they see like, oh, he must be Irish, not knowing that he grew up in Mexico, and he's actually a Mexican citizen, and his dad's Mexican. There I'm you like, go. Shut up. He's Mexican. <laughs> that's what it is. Enjoy. So so when it comes to the way that I write my emails and when it comes to the way that uh, that I post on Facebook, here's here's the thing. Emotions. Like Shane asked me the other day, he's like, what's the first thing that you do when you wake up and you decide what, what kind of email you're going to write or what kind of stuff you're going to post on Facebook? The first thing that I do is I say, well, how am I going to get at people's emotions? How am I going to get an emotional reaction from people? And by avoiding politics, by avoiding religion, by avoiding social, so, you know, social uh, 
uh, goings on. By avoiding all of that stuff, you're going to be boring. You're going to be the guy that nobody remembers or the girl that nobody remembers. You're going to be <clears throat> the person that, uh, that, that nobody really cares about. Now, if you want people to care about you, you're going to have to run the risk of people absolutely hating you. It's just par, it's par for the course. If you're going to build a, ra- a, a raving audience, you're also going to build an anti-audience. You're going to build people that hate you. Um, so you have to be willing to do that. And you have to know, you have to have a very clear stance on, you know, what, what are the hills that I'm going to die, die on? Uh, the way I feel about it is I'm, a, I'm very pr- I'm pro-liberty. I'm pro-individual liberty. Um, and because of my audience, because of the people that I work for are typically, uh, socially or socially, uh, socially libertarian and fiscally conservative. Most of the business owners that I work for, they don't like paying, they don't like being raped, you know, by the IRS. They don't like, uh, they don't like regulators coming in and destroying their business. Um, so I know that I can get away with certain things that maybe other business owners can't. I know my audience. Um, but if I didn't have that audience, I don't know if I'd be able to still taper those parts of my personality because I'm very much, uh, I, you know, I don't like the way that the government spends our tax dollars. I don't like a majority of the things that they spend them on. Um, I don't like the majority. You know, I don't trust politicians to regulate the Internet. I don't trust politicians that, you know, have never ran a business to come in and tell me how I should run my business. Uh, yeah, it, it's a little bit backwards and also FYI shout out to all the crazy people like us that basically are fiscally conservative and socially liberal because that's the shit that we're on <laughs> yeah and and the thing is it's like I know what I can get away with my audience I know what, what I can't get away with I try to be respectful and I try to be humble to other points of view I, if people disagree with me I don't you know instantly start shitting on them and, and picking a fight with them but uh I will post things that most business owners would say I could never post that on my social media or I could never send an email out that talks to things about that. But the things that I've discovered is those are the ones that get the most engagement. Those are the ones that get the most people commenting. Those are the ones that get the most you know, emotional reaction out of people. And as a salesperson, you know, you have to get an emotional reaction out of people or they're not going to buy. So why would it be any different when it comes to your social media? Why would it be any different when it comes to uh, the emails or the promotions that you send out. So that's that's my main thing is is um, how can I be true to my values, which my values are you know individualism and profiting, making money, being a good business person. How can I be true to that and still evoke an emotion out of people? And uh, that's pretty much that that's that's like my north star when it comes to how I run my entire personal brand. Is is this going to get an emotional reaction out of people? And uh, you know, I, I still try to be respectful about it, but um, li- like going back to the beginning of the conversation, people started calling me a propagandist. People started calling me a shill, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to have fun with this. If they're going to call me it, I'm going to take it five steps further." And uh, that's, you know, it, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to deliberately go out and pick fights with flat earthers, uh, but I will poke a little bit of fun once in a while. Seriously, flat earthers, I'm actually picking a fight with you. Fuck yourself. It's curvy. Get over it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm done with this shit with flat earthers. I know you're really nice about it. I don't talk about it on Facebook because, well, like I said, I, like I said with the whole post today, there's a fucking war coming. And I had this conversation with my friend Tanya today. And she was like, what do you mean by that? 
are you going to do this thing? I'm not going to mention names, but like, are you going to jump on board with this whole thing right now? It's like, what do you mean? It's like, I'm going to piss off the entire fucking industry. It's like, really? I was like, I've been, well, Nathan, you've seen the way I post. It's relatively quite quiet. I, I post a little bit about my opinions and, you know, it gets engagement or how I feel. I will, this is an exclusive for this podcast, so by the time this comes out, it would have already happened. Uh, and Nathan can actually back me up because by this point, this will come out and he'll write about it as well. <laughs> um, I'm probably, I'm gunning, and I don't like the fact I'm gunning for this, but simultaneously I'm excited. I'm actually gunning for the spot of most hated copyright around. <laughs> not for any, not because like my work is shit or whatever it is. It's because I'm going to be not, you know how they say sacrifice the sacred cows or whatever it is, or kill the sacred cows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to desecrate, desecrate the fucking sacred cows, their temple, their ruins. I'm going to paint it in their blood and set the shit on fire. Because what a lot of people teach is copywriting. And I say that in air quotes because it's so fucking backwards, it's retarded. I know people don't like that word, but I'm using it in the actual, literal sense. Look it up. It's in a dictionary for a reason. It means to slow down the progress of... that. Could, that's why you have fire retardants. You're telling me that's not a word? It's the same thing. This is a copy retardant, meaning people's groupthink that slows down the progress of um, uh, the, the progress of what it is, basically, of like how we think. It keeps you stuck in old-timey thought. And by the way, old-timey thought meaning in the sense of, I can just pick up this career and run with it right away. Hmm. No, you can't. Take your time. <laughs> study the goddamn thing. And the reason why people are going to get mad at me is because there's a whole thought that you need to spend 10,000 hours doing something to get good. My argument is you only need two hours, maybe even five hours, to become a fairly decent, dangerous copywriter, and then you need to just practice. It's kind of like arming you with the tools and then telling you how to use them and go, okay, you need to practice how to use this lightsaber, buddy. Go out there and do it. And to the people that I may have offended by using the, the, the word retarded, I apologize because I know some of my friends kids uh, have Down syndrome and is a thing in the US not so much in the UK where it's kind of growing so that's why I'm apologizing uh, I apologize because I'm not apologizing for the, the fact that I use it fuck I will use that word if it plays a part meaning you know to slow the progress of um, but it's the fa- it's my fans and my friends that I would have offended saying that, that I'm actually apologizing to now that's clear the last question I the, the question I actually had for you which is the third part um, which you may have answered Realistically, yeah, you did. What's one of the things that you actually find um, challenging when it comes to holding back the persuasion reins for you? Because I know there's a lot that you still don't do. Because, <laughs> um, again, you know, we've both been there. Uh, oh, and the other question was how do you reverse socially engineer a market? Because I'm curious how you do it. So, when it comes to my market, I'll, I'll answer the latter question first and then go back. Uh, when it comes to my particular market, uh, there there are things where I type a whole email up and before I send it, I rethink it and I'm like, nah, I should probably not send that. Um, there are certain posts where I get to the end of and I'm right about to hit publish and I think, mm, probably not. Um, David David uh, David Garfinkel, he tells me. Nathan, if it doesn't lead to the sale, don't include it, which is great advice for for copywriting 
Uh, it's advice that I don't always use when it comes to my personal brand. I know I throw a lot of stuff in that actually sacrifices some sales. But uh, here's the deal. I have a specific type of client that I want to work with. I have, I've found, and, and it's not like I reversed, in, or I, it's not like I engineered this knowing going forward. I've had to make a lot of mistakes. I've had to work with people and realize, oh, I do not want to work with this type of person going forward. Yep. Um, I, I don't want to work with people that are uh, that have like a negative connotation about profit. I've I've written copy for people. And I've done marketing campaigns for people that thought profit was a bad thing. They just wanted their business to be successful, but they, you know, the type of success that I wanted to see for them, they said, oh, that's too greedy. We don't want to, we don't want our business to be that big. I realized I don't want to work with people like that. Um, there's, there's certain values that people have that I don't want to work with them because based off of those values. Um, so I try to make sure that in my, in my branding, in my uh, in the things that I do, I'm not only attracting because I have people that come to me and they're like, "You're the only guy I thought of. You're the guy that if I was going to pay anybody to put this campaign together, you were the only guy that it was that I was willing to pay to do this." Um, I have a lot of people that come to me like that, but don't send me text messages while we're recording a deal. I um, always have to. It's the best way I can get messages. That wasn't for you to read right now. It's for you to read after you finish the segment. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's okay. Uh, edit this part out, not that part. <laughs> um, but when it, so I, I have stuff where I know that this is going to, uh, it's going to piss off a certain amount of people. Here's the deal. Like I said earlier, if you're gonna if you're gonna take any kind of stance at all, if you're going to uh, plant your flag on any hill, if you're going to turn some sacred cows into delicious steaks Yum. or grind them up into hamburgers, uh, you're gonna have people that are like that guy right there. That guy is the guy that I'm I'm gonna die on the hill that he play, planted his flag on because I absolutely agree. And thank God that he had the balls to stand up and say what everybody else was afraid to say. You're going to have people that do that. But in order to have those people, you're also going to have a bunch of people that are going to say, you know what? Fuck that guy. And so I, I know that when I post certain things, I'm going to have a lot of people that say, fuck that guy. I try to post things that I know will only evoke that response from people that I don't want to work with anyways. And that has been a very long process of, of taking on clients that weren't the right fit, of taking on jobs that weren't the right fit, of of interacting with people whose values weren't the right fit. And after a while, uh, you get to a certain point where you say, you know what, I'm not desperate for work. I'm not going to take on anybody who throws money at me. I'm not going to take on any job that that's willing to have me. And you say, I'm only going to take on the jobs that I want to work. I'm only going to work with the people that I want to work with. And at that point, um, it, it's an individual thing. It's, 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 these are my values and I'm not going to be afraid about admitting them. I'm not going to be afraid about the one person who might, or the 10 people who might not want to work with me because I was honest about this because the truth of the matter is I probably wouldn't want to work with those people anyways. So it comes down to knowing which values you have in common with the with your ideal clients and subtly 
hinting at those and uh, knowing which values you don't want to have, uh, you don't want to be working with, and subtly hinting at that. And you don't have to be blatant, but uh, you can be. But um, really what it comes down to is is uh, just learning. Who do you want to work with? Who do you not want to work with? And letting the stuff that you put out kind of do a little bit of that filtering for you because um, not everybody's a good fit for everybody. For some people, Gary V, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's the ultimate role model. I want to be like Gary V. And then for some people... They're like, you know what? Fuck that. I don't want to hustle until I die. I want to make good money without having to hustle all the time. So by by having his stance, some people are, are uh, Gary V diehard fans and other people are like, man, that guy is the worst jackass that gives the worst business advice ever. And uh, unless you're willing to risk having the second group of people, you're never going to have the first. I agree entirely, and more importantly, I like Gary Vaynerchuk. I actually do, but sometimes I do find his advice a little bit stupid. <laughs> well, and, and that's the that's the fact of the matter is like with most people, that's how I feel. I'm like, yeah, I agree with about forty or fifty percent of what they say. I disagree with about forty percent of or fifty percent of what they say. Um, and twenty percent is just me kind of just being that being cool, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, but the the thing is, is like people like me and you, uh, or, or I don't want to say people like me and you, like we're above all the other people out there. But let's um, let's let's get real. We are. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm but, uh, but most people don't have that ability. Most people don't have the ability to say, you know, Donald Trump is a huge jackass on a lot of things, but he also makes a little bit of sense on a, on a couple other things. Most people can't say that to themselves. Most people can't say, you know. I couldn't stand a lot of the things about Barack Obama, but there were a lot of things about Barack Obama that I actually enjoyed. I actually, you know, I, I liked about Barack Obama. Alex Jones says a lot of really stupid things, but every once in a while, Alex Jones makes a lot of sense. Like most people can't do that. Most people can't admit that the people that they disagree with actually have a valid point once in a while. It takes, it, it takes a, it takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of, um, inner work to get to that point where you can accept the flaws of other people while also accepting where um, you know they have value. Uh, most people can't get to that point. And as marketers, we're not trying to change people. We're trying to work with the way that people are. So I know personally for me, I don't get that, you know, I don't get that adamant about people, but I do understand that most people do get that adamant and uh, I'm, I'm going to work with it. I'm not going to fight against it. I'm going to work with it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's so interesting, again, to me, the way that people cannot look at the good in others for what they've done. And I actually learned this lesson the weirdest place possible. By the way, this is probably going to go down in infinitely as probably the weirdest podcast I've done to date. Not because the information is crazy. It's just because it's like the most outspoken I've been about shit, um, including the message I sent you. Um what people don't actually understand, I actually found this out from uh, looking at Hitler, of all people. Like, Adolf Hitler just basically, there was something I said to a friend of mine that said, oh yeah, that's just terrible. And it was because, despite him being a legit evil human being, you have to respect his hustle and what he did. You know, they went from being an economic downturn, crashing, uh, 
system's dying, the whole place is about to blow. This guy comes by and he's like, hey, listen, I'll put you all back in power and get you jobs and stuff like that. Nine years later, the fucking economy's going back up. It's doing well. 1936, the economy in the US was at its depression. Germany was thriving. You tell me that that's not a good play. You well, know, there, it, there's good in that, but he was an asshole. Don't get me wrong. Well, and the, and the thing is, is like, uh, as a as a marketer, as um, as a social engineer, quote unquote, uh, you can look, at, you can take lessons from some of the most horrible aspects of humanity, and you can use them, or you can at least understand them and appreciate them. I mean, s- something that we have here i don't know how prevalent it is over there i'm assuming it's probably pretty prevalent over there as well but uh something that we have here going on right now is this uh what i call social justice uh marketing or um (laughs) i'm kind of terming it like white guilt marketing oh man where i even go that would (laughs) that 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 is the most bullshitty stuff ever in my opinion well well here's the thing i see some people and i i see where they're Like they're going after those those white guilt dollars, and I to- I disrespect it because I, I feel like it fuels racism. It just makes the problem worse. But at the same time, I have to respect their hustle. I, I look at yeah. some of them and I'm like, these people are totally milking liberal white guilt. They're totally you know taking advantage of of these middle class white people's I- internalized hatred of their own skin color, and they're milking it for every dollar that they can get out of it. And while I don't agree with it, and while I think that it's leading to, to you know, it's leading to worse problems in society, it's not making the situation better, oh. I can appreciate where the hustle is at. So just like you said with Hitler, I don't like what Hitler did, but there's aspects of it where I can say, okay, I can appreciate why it worked. Yeah, basically that's what it is. You look at the machine and you go, okay, I can see how it figured out. I don't like the machine, but I figured out this part was kind of like, okay, cool. I appreciate the way it worked out for them at that time. And and the thing about it is, is the world is rarely as black and white as the history books paint it. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that went on in Germany. There's a lot of stuff that the people were dealing with in Germany that led them to that. I mean, there was problems with the education system. There was problems with, um, the, the economy, there was stuff going on. There was, I mean, if you really want to go back to it, uh, there was a lot of legitimate uh, the, about the Jewish community. There was a lot of legitimate um, complaints that people had. But if you even want to go deeper into it, for a long time, Jewish people didn't have their own homeland and they weren't allowed to own property in a lot of places. So they had to learn how to bank. So they became the most like uh, successful bankers. So they earned a lot of the bad reputation that they, you know, that a lot of these families that were being demonized, they earned that bad reputation. But the only reason they earned it is because the people who were demonizing them set them up to where the only way they could succeed was to succeed in the way that they did. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's, yeah, it's one of those things where if you're not able to look at the situation from more than one point of view, if you're not able to empathize with, uh, even the most vile people, if you're not able to say, look, these were still human beings and they had to have a reason. They weren't just evil people. They had reasons for why they did what they did. And that's, you know, whether you're anti-Semitic, I hate the Jews or anti-Nazi, I hate the Germans. Either way, 
you have to understand these were people and they had things in their lives that led them to think that they were doing the right thing on both sides. And until you're willing to do that, I mean, the, you're going to be so easy to manipulate. But once you're able to say, these, these are decent people that do some horrible things because they probably think they're doing the right thing. Once you're able to look at the world that way, um, you get a lot more clarity. But most people, again, I, I think the main focus of this whole conversation is most people don't want to do that hard work. And as a marketer, uh, we kind of exploit that. And as social engineers and as politicians, they kind of exploit that as well. Yeah, it's pretty much that's, that's what it becomes. It just depends on exactly how you exploit it, whether it's for the positive or the negative of uh, your marketplace and people. So here's a question that I have. Shoot. Do you think do you think that people like Hillary Clinton and people who like Donald Trump and uh, people like even the extremes like Adolf Hitler, do you think that these people think that they're actually exploiting it for the better of people? Do you think that uh, a lot of these leaders they say, you know, these people are just too stupid to handle their own affairs, and? Uh, they need somebody like me to come in and make the world a better pace, place for them. Or do you think that they're, um, I, or maybe it's a mixed bag. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's a mixed bag. There's some people in there that genuinely want to see good in the world. Um, I know this because I've spoken to a couple of politicians that are absolutely lovely and great human beings and the projects they actually put together and build are just brilliant. And the only reason they want to get into power is because they want to actually implement the changes they have done on a mass scale. Now, the problem therein lies, those people that actually want the job of being in power and being a politician, all this, that, the other, those are the last people, if I could, if I could change one thing, those are the last people I'd let them go into power because they're psychopaths. Mm. They don't have, for them, it's like, how can I make the best living possible? Yes, and hang out with people they hang out with anyway, because if you don't think world leaders hang out all the time, don't have each other's phone numbers... You're lying to yourself, okay? They, they do. It, it, it sounds really stupid, but they really do. They all get together every single year. They do this little thing. They all have each other. They know what they're doing. It, it just is. So the way I look at it is quite simple. People like Hillary, Trump, Hitler, Sanders, everyone, every single politician, in my opinion, to some degree has that craving for power because we're human. Uh, and they don't really, some of them may think openly in their mind, I can manipulate this way, my way right to the top. And some unscrupulous people do. Uh, some people use it for other things. If I get power, then I can have as much sex as possible without my wife finding out. That's another thing. Or my husband finding out. It just really depends on what their motives are. But it's a mixed bag, in my opinion. So we're re reaching that part of the show. I really want to ask you this question. Because the other questions I would ask on the show realistically don't apply to this because we've covered so much. But it's this question I want to ask you in particular. If you could name five books, usually it's three, but for you it's five. Four of which <laughs> are nonfiction and one of which is either a fictional book or a fictional movie. That's the choice. But the other four are books. What would they be? Okay, so book number one I'm going to recommend is Propaganda by Edward Bernays. Classic. Every business owner should should own that book um, because it's just a great deep dive into psychology. Book number two, I'm going to say Ready, Fire, Aim by Mark Ford. 
Brilliant or book. Michael Masterson. Mm-hmm. Um, that book changed my whole business approach and led to the majority of my success uh, because it totally talks about the biggest mistakes that business owners make and how to fix them. Um, book number three in the nonfiction would be The Boron Letters by Gary Halbert. Yep. Uh, it's just a series of letters that he wrote to his son while he was in prison. Great lights, great life lessons and great business lessons in there as well. Um, gosh. Book number four, I'm going to say would be... I'm going to say this is a tie between uh, uh, No BS... Um, no BS Direct Marketing by Dan Kennedy or The Ultimate Sales Letter by Dan Kennedy. Both of those books go together so well, I kind of see them as one book. So I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna do a double there. And then for the nonfiction book, I'm going to recommend... Uh, it's not a movie because there's not been a movie made of this yet. I'm going to recommend a book called The Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson. And uh, it's it was written almost two decades ago. And how eerily close it is to this to the current technology and, and um, state of society is crazy. So uh, that's going to be my nonfiction recommendation: "The Diamond Age" by Neil Stevenson. It's fucking awesome, dude! Thank you so much for being here, guys. Thank you for listening. And again, just you know, hit me up, hit Nathan up. We're really open people speak to speak to you. Check out copyandfunnels.com forward slash guide. Uh, rate, review, share, and comment on the show. I really appreciate it. And again, just very final closing moments. <clears throat> if I did offend anyone during the show, I do apologize. Take it up with me. We'll have a whole conversation about it. I'm always open to stuff like that. And yeah, guys, have a great day. Nathan, thank you for being here. Really appreciate you, my friend. Um, there's no way that you didn't offend somebody during this show. Oh, yay. Oh, that's going to be fine. It'll be fine. Hey, <laughs> I, I thanks love how again you for- just basically like, um no you offended several people <laughs> just know this please no. i had a blast though and this was a very fun conversation so thank you for having the the uh intestinal fortitude to have it with me oh fuck yeah dude i'm getting you back on at another point all right guys i'll see you on the next episode peace out deuces